It's the podcast all the critics are raving about. It's the Popcorn for Dinner podcast. Woo! On this episode, Obiora and I will be discussing the two Euphoria specials that dropped. Later, we'll be joined by Emma Lewis Webb discussing one of the biggest breakout hits of 2020, Host. Maybe I should have asked her how it feels to have your billboard in Japan. That's all coming on later. How are you, Obiora? I'm good, man. Uh, seizure. Getting ready for the weekend. <laughs> Getting ready to stay at home again. <laughs> I love, I love when we record our podcast because it means that every response by you is getting ready for the weekend. <laughs> so every episode is the same, the same response. That's, I, I love it so much. Well, the thing is, this weekend, um, I, I thought I was getting my beanbag this weekend, but I actually got it today so this company right they they buy a bean bag right you buy the bean bag but these guys delivered the beans and the bag <laughs> if it makes any sense <laughs> so essentially it's a bean bag but some assembly required exactly i've got to put i got to put the bean in the beans inside the bag without making a big mess of it so uh that should be fun um a quick shout out to our friend victoria onobogu who's celebrating her birthday today as we're recording this so Happy birthday, Victoria. What are up to this weekend, then? What's... Um... Getting lit, lit this weekend? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. That's, that's a memory of, of, of 13 months past. Um, so, for all those who don't know, I've been, I've been working on a short film since, like, God, like, December 20, 2019. Obviously, um, COVID hit and that kind of... And for those who follow me on and Instagram, we kind of started a, a crowdfunding to help with production costs and everything. But we are hopeful that in the next few weeks we'll get into filming and production and things like that. So we're just kind of getting back into the groove and we kind of took like a break since like November and everything. So hopefully in the next few weeks we can start production. And um, for anyone listening, I just want to publicly say thank you to all those who contributed to the crowdfunding. We had better response than we expected. Um, for anyone who's just hearing about it, it's a short film titled We Move, The Resilience of Youth. It's quickly just a short film about the strength of youth, young people, and how we constantly have to keep fighting the, the tribulations that life throws at us. And we just act like it's normal, even though it shouldn't be. So, yeah, man, if anyone knows any rich benefactor that is trying to get involved in the arts, send them my way. If you're feeling generous, please reach out to me on Twitter and Instagram and we're still looking for donations because filming in COVID is very expensive. So this is my shameless plug. So for any Euphoria fans out, out there, um, Euphoria kind of dropped two specials. One came out December 6th and the other came out January 24th. Um, have you seen both specials? I've seen both specials, and I loved both specials. I think so. Um, before we kind of get into it, how how do you feel about specials in general? So, when you know conventional TV shows just decide to have one-off specials, because you kind of see it quite you know frequently with UK shows mm-hmm. and comedy shows, but I think Euphoria going this direction was quite interesting wasn't it 
I never um, detest any new episodes of TV shows that I like. So if I if I love you, I want to get more more TV. I think the only problem is I usually have this mental gymnastics either before or after where I'm like, is this canon? Does this fall into continuity, or is it just something that just happened for Christmas or whatever? I'm going to forget about it. And I think it gives the creators a chance to experiment mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and go bold, like we'll talk about in Euphoria. And I always, like I said, I always love creators experimenting. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it's kind of good you brought up experimenting because whenever you watch all these specials, there's always something like, oh, what's going on here? And, you know, it's their chance to try to do something different, which we saw in, you know, these episodes. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, speaking about these two episodes, just the fur in general, I think what I liked as well was the music. I love the music. It just sets the tone for what you're watching and... Mm-hmm. It's, you know, the music is, you know, part of, you could say it's almost part of the, part of the cast, part of the... It's a character of its own, yeah. Character, exactly, exactly. The music selection was, was really, really good. I really liked that. Yeah, I, I really like the first Euphoria special. I think, and we'll get to the second one, but I think the first Euphoria special is not only the best episode the show has ever done. I think it's one of the best episodes of TV I watched last year. So the first special is something that I think anyone can watch. If you've not seen Euphoria, you can watch it. The first special is essentially just Rue, played by Zendaya, and her sponsor, played by Coleman Domingo. The entire special is literally just Zendaya and Ali just speaking for basically 57 minutes or something like that. Almost an hour, yeah. Yeah, and these specials are obviously born out of the COVID necessity. They couldn't go into production for season two. And Sam Levinson, who created and writes and writes all the episodes and directed most of the episodes, wanted to do something. So they come up with this special. And this first special is just two people sitting in a diner talking to each other. I like Euphoria, I, but I don't love Euphoria. Mm-hmm. And that's mostly because I've always felt like it feels more like style over substance to me. And that's a very reductive way to say that's, that's not entirely true and everything. But it was, mm-hmm. you're doing more in terms of flashy stuff. Very, and you did hear most of them very well but you're overlooking kind of the substance. But with COVID, you can't really have style. You can't, you can still have style if you're creative enough, but you can't really have a thousand extras and do a lot of creative things because you can't really have that many crew members. So it comes down to just the substance, which is two people talking. If nothing else, this episode shows that Sam Levinson is an incredible dialogue writer because the dialogue runs basically uninterrupted for the whole hour and it runs across depression and Malcolm X's biography mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. domestic assault and religion and commercial activism and it just flows it's just incredible writing and I think I'm not watching this special thinking oh this is how Euphoria season 2 is going to be I hope it's something like this but he, what he did with this first special is so incredible that I think he shouldn't lose it completely yeah I thought it was good I thought it was really good I loved how conversation kind of went through you know, different topics and how this all related to Rue and, you know, her fighting her personal demons, you know, relating to her and her relationship with Jules and just the way she, just the energy she brought in that performance and how, how these all, you know, interconnected and brought, mm-hmm. you know, made her feel the way she felt at that time was, and I think that's reflective on the writing mm-hmm. from 
and direction from Sam Levinson and the performances. These are two incredible. Like Zendaya is no longer the Disney Channel actress mm-hmm. that she was. She's she's. I think Zendaya is a movie star right now. Zendaya is someone who commands presence. She's someone buying, who buying buying Zendaya stock. I am buying. I might be late, but I'm buying Zendaya stock. I'm buying no it. more GameStop stock. <laughs> nah. I couldn't hold. I couldn't hold on to that. You didn't so, hold the line. No, I couldn't hold on to the line. I needed to cash out. <laughs> so the second special, a bit more of the the euphoria style comes into that. What do you think of the second special? I think I, I'm not sure if I think I prefer the second special. Okay, that's interesting. Those, I mean, the beginning shots of that begin um, second special was out of this world. Yeah. So for anyone listening. Basically, all of Jules's character arc from the first season just plays over um, Hunter Schaefer's eyes while a Lord song plays. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, Euphoria, and you're, you're back. This is like, this is filmmaking. I think she actually co-wrote that episode, so she definitely had a hand in that. And obviously, it's it was a less familiar relationship between her and the person she was actually talking to. It was, was it just a psychiatrist, wasn't it? Yeah. And we, I mean, we had no history with her, but I felt they were able to maybe not replicate, you know, Jules's relationship with Ali. Rue's relationship with Ali. Rue's relationship with Ali, my bad. But I felt it was, at the end of the day, like, even sometimes she might refrain from, you know, some answers because she doesn't want to, you know, accept the, you know, the reality of a situation that she might actually be you know, in love with mm-hmm. somebody, and it's... I think she was more interested in the idea of love and mm. just the whole fantasy of being in love with somebody that when it actually happened, she freaked out and fucked off. <laughs> fucked off. And ran away. <laughs> and ran away. And I felt that was really well told. And the way she was able to convey her her feelings, you know, intercut with, you know, different... And flashbacks with mm-hmm. her and Rue, and flashbacks of her and her fantasy boyfriend and stuff. I think that was, you know, really good as well. If the first episode is kind of getting Rue to a place mentally where she can finally accept that she's ready to be sober, the second episode is kind of giving us a bit of more insight into Jules's life. It picks a few choice spots during the first season and is like, this is what happened here that made Jules react this way. We find out things about her mom that we didn't know from the first season. And it kind of influenced, we kind of explains why she acted the way she acted on Halloween night and everything. Again, it's, even though there was some style in the second episode, it's still less style than an average Euphoria episode. And it, and it focused, and look, I have no problem. I love style. I love when directors direct and show you that they know what they're doing. Even like the way it's filmed. So, you know, you might have you know, the camera going above the shoulder and you know in other instances when things get a bit more serious you're gonna have you know the cameras in between to have you know a bit more personal you know shit went real serious then you have the real close-up on there so it was just there's even there's, there's this great section in the first special that we talk about with the waitress miss marsha mm-hmm. and she's talking about her own experience and everything and i i was like the way this is shot the way she's talking, this doesn't seem scripted. So I had to look it up and it was like, she's a real person. That's her real experience as she's seen on screen. 
I've always found specials to be quite schlocky and I'm just like, what's going on here? This is completely, you know, I'm not used to this. It's completely out of sorts for this TV show, but I really enjoyed this and everything was really well done. And we have, you know, all the pieces together. They're going to you know, produce something special, which is what this was. Welcome back, everyone. So um, a movie that came out last year that Obira and I really, really liked was the horror movie, Host. It was one of the surprising hits of the year, and Empire, in its four-star review, called it a devilishly original success. The New York Times said it finds a surprising amount of ingenuity in mining the horror of yet another quarantine conference call, and the AV Club called it one of the best horror movies of the year. Obira and I are joined by one of the stars of the film, Emma Lewis Webb. Myself there. <laughs> How are you, Emma? How are you? I'm really good. I love hearing um, all this stuff read out like that. It makes me feel great. <laughs> I mean, if we're being frank, there was so much more. That I was like, okay, no, I just can't. I can't you even read my review. Thank you. Come on. Do you say it? Just say it. You're, you're, on, the, you're on the podcast. What's your review? <laughs> my review was that it was fucking exhilarating and scary as shit, and I can't sleep at night now. <laughs> I find it so cool that people think it's scary because, uh, I mean, Rob always said he thought it would be funny. Like, he thought it would be like a like a fun movie. And I didn't even know how it ended, right? So I pooed my pants when I watched it the first <laughs> time because the scripts were redacted. So we didn't know the scary stuff oh, okay. that happened to other oh, people. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so wow. the, any, everything that happened after I finished in, my, in the film. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea. <laughs> and I filmed me and my mum watching it and like, I screamed. Um, okay, so first of all, for anyone who hasn't seen Host, go see Host. It's available <laughs> on Shudder on their platform and I think the Blu-ray just came out this week. But yeah, just go see Host and then we come back and listen to this. Um, it was also Emma's birthday on Monday, so... Ooh. Happy spookies. That's, actually, I was going to talk about that later. But where did, did, was that in the script? So, uh, we didn't actually have any text. Um, it was all improvised, the whole movie. Really? We had a scriptment, so... Ah, I see. So, knew... a, a script and a treatment. Yeah, yeah, exactly that, yeah. Um, it was like, A to B, this is how we start and this is how we end. It's up to you to kind of say whatever needs to be said to get to that point. Great, and um, I didn't remember ever saying Happy Spookies, and it seemed to like catch <laughs> on and become like the tagline of the film. And um, Jed... Uh, the producer and the writer said to me like oh you say this really cool thing you say happy spookies and I was like I would never say that I don't remember saying that and clearly I did uh, because it's in the <laughs> film but um, yeah it was it was all basically improv the dialogue so how was that like you know rather than having sticking to a traditional scripts you know just you know going with the flow and improvising were you familiar with the other actresses yeah so actually the first day of lockdown right we're like this group of friends and i met jed at comic-con years ago okay and he put me in his short film and then in that short film i met the other actresses mm -hmm. from host and um he was friends with rob and everyone on the film like the sfx like everyone was just this big group of friends and so we made this whatsapp group which was called quarantine movie club um <laughs> on the first day of the lockdown and everybody everybody in that chat basically was involved in the film um so i've kind of known them most of them for like years so that that helped <laughs> and obviously yeah. everyone yeah. was everyone was on zoom at the beginning as i mean we still are right now yeah <laughs> i'm tired of it now yeah <laughs> so it was kind of like that really helped um 
it feel kind of natural, I guess, because we, we were all on Zoom every day um, yeah. together as well. And uh, for me, I love I love improv and I love, I basically just hate learning lines. So for me, it was like such a joy that we had that freedom. You, you never normally get that on like a, on a movie yeah, or anything. Just, yeah, because like even the conversations where you had like before the whole so, thing started, say yeah. started, there we go. It was just, I was, felt like I was listening to, you know, just friends just having a good conversation. It was London Comic Con, wasn't it? Yeah. So were you, who did you meet there, Rob or Jed? I met Jed. I met Jed and I was young, like, it was, it was years ago. This and was then, like, what, 2017? Yeah, I think so. I feel like, and this is the, I feel like I remember this Comic Con weekend. Were you because, there? No, but I, I remember you asking... Um, who wanted to come along to Comic Con, and I think I couldn't make. So basically, all I'm saying is that I could have been in host. Yeah. If, if I had played my cards right, I could have been it. So um, fumble the bag. A bit of uh, fumble, a bit of backstory. So Emma and I went to acting school together in 2017, 2016, 2017. Yeah. So which acting school is this? Um, well, it was a random, shameless plug for Identity School of Acting. <laughs> Not like he needs, he needs our help. Um, the, the alma mater of our future guest, John Boyega. Oh. Letitia Wright, Damson um, Idris, Malika Kirby. Um, right. Yeah, so I, I feel like I remember you saying, oh, who wants to come to London Comic Con this weekend? And I was like, oh, I can't make it. And then the next thing was, actually, why didn't you tell the story of how you met, how you met Jed? Because it's, it's an yeah. interesting story. Um, it's filmed as well, so if you go yeah. on Twitter, you'll find it. Which is, it was weird. It was like a really serendipitous kind of floaty moment. Like uh, there was a panel for Suicide Squad. Uh, it was like the directors or the creative team behind that, and and Jed was on the panel as well. I don't think he worked on that film, but he was he was there on the panel. And there were like thousands of people in the audience. It was like one of those really big panels. And um, they opened up the floor like as I walked in to do questions, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna ask them like I'm just gonna be brave and like ask them how how do you find actors? Because you know it goes through your head like should I shouldn't I? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is embarrassing. Like I don't know. <laughs> and um and I got up and asked them, and they were lovely, and they literally said to me, "You never know. You might be in the right place at the right time, and it might be like a serendipitous moment. You might meet the right person and the right filmmaker and stuff." And Jed wow. was there, and we followed each other on. Um, on Twitter, and then we got talking, and he put me in a short film, and then yeah, from there we 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 speak every day, like we're really good friends. So oh, and um, it the the benefit of having the writer as one of your close friends is that you can <laughs> ask them to put stuff in for you. Like I said to him about ten times, like don't let me be the first to die, and he was like, oh, you were going to be the first to die, um, but because I nagged him, <laughs> uh, I was supposed to die. I mean, spoilers. I, I don't know if we're doing that, but. Um, with the filter that was supposed to be right. me done and I was like do not let me die first <laughs> <laughs> I love horror films you're not going to do that to me um, and so yeah you can not manipulate but you can persuade them Kid, to, yeah. to write you great stuff oh. <laughs> which is fun all I had to do was go to Comic Con with you and ask a question. I don't know what you were TVC doing that day. I don't even know. It, whatever, like, whatever it is, it's not. It doesn't. It, it just pales in comparison. It's not <laughs> worth it. Just Go a next different, year. A different. It's yeah, fine. but like Jed won't be there next year, and I won't have. It's just gonna be. It's, it's a whole thing. <laughs> he, he probably will. To uh, be honest, he brought me back the following year. I'll ask. If, if he's there, I'll go and ask him the exact same question. I'll be like, get someone to film what did it you do? exactly the same <laughs> what angle. Did you do like, um. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's actually, like I said, it's a really cool story and it's one that I couldn't be 
um, any happier for you. Um, obviously, oh, you, you you did mention the um the the short film that you did with Jed. That's multiplex. Yeah. Do you want to just talk about that quickly? Yeah, plug for, for sure. That? that was kind of like the first proper acting job I think I ever really did. Um, on film anyway. Like, it's a it's a short film, and I'm co lead with Lewis McDougall from A Monster Calls. I don't know if anyone's seen that. Love that film. He's great in that. Um, we play a brother and sister, and I don't really know what I'm allowed to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's really bad, but it's um, it's about a brother and a sister, and there's basically like a supernatural sci-fi adventure that they go on to try and get some money. Yeah, in, um, in the cinema. I believe it has all the girls from Host returning. It does. Oh, not returning because we're short dressed, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, it has a. Uh, yeah, all of them. All of them. Uh, it's me, Radina, Haley, Caroline, and Gemma. Everybody's in it. So. It's actually real names that you used in the, yeah. the movie yeah. as well, I, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I think that was very good. I think that was. I think that was actually low key a, a genius move. I know it probably came up the fact that it was a very um quick, quick move, and everything was unscripted and everything. But I felt like, for better or worse, you're going to be attached to the film and that character for the next few years, and I feel like. It's a very successful film, and you want there's not there are worse things to be attached to the oh, the yeah. character that you play that has the same name. So I think that's very that <laughs> I think that people would, know my name now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like that would just have um, positive effects in coming years and everything. That's I play really cool. Emma in in Multiplex as well. Uh, Jed has a thing. Jed has a thing. So yeah. um, what was that? How was that feeling of you know being in your first film? drama school to the short film so you're actually applying all that you've learned into an actual production oh man that felt like that was like actually that's a really great question because it was like a big wake-up call like mm. oh you're here now and you shit's about do to get real job. yeah yeah you better you better <laughs> do a good job like you, you've you've talked the talk so you better do it um and yeah there was no audition for that either we, we met up and we had a coffee and he told me about it and i was like he sent me the script i was like this is great oh my god this is like a a classic Doctor Who episode where it's just like adventure, right? I was mm-hmm. like, I'm doing this. Um, and actually, yeah, it it was actually really challenging because we mm. shot it, you know, especially smaller budget things. Obviously with bigger budget stuff, you've then got the pressure of like studios and stuff watching you. And they're got like, a lot of people on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. But because it was uh, a smaller thing, it was like, we only had two days to make a 20 minute film. I speak in every scene. My my character really loves talking in that, and um, obviously in that we did actually have a script, and I had to learn literally like twenty twenty five pages of dialogue before we even got there, mm-hmm. and I'm so glad that I did because it was like nonstop. You know, we did make like one take sometimes for for per scene because we we were on a time limit, and mm-hmm. Lewis had to come down from Scotland, and like there was uh, a lot of VFX and stuff in it, so every time was really limited, and it was like. I don't know. It was it was night shoots as well, and there was a moment on like the second night, and we'd woken up, and I had like nuggets, but it was like breakfast, and it was like three in the morning, <laughs> and we'd had a really long day the day before, and I started to feel really ill, mm. and I was like, I just went like pale. I was like, I don't feel great, and then Jed was like, We're shooting the scene now. You're you're the lead. Like, get get to you set. Have to be great. Yeah. You can't like that was like a wake up call of like you can't ever get ill you can't be sick you have to just get there and just do it there's just no one it. there's no backup yeah. like you have to be there so that was kind of like it's a learning thing and I felt like doing that was kind of yeah it makes sense yeah did Jed direct Multiplex yeah and oh, he wrote okay. it okay when oh. sorry Ranky to check but when you did that what did you have that like 
because you've started, you want to be perfect, so you always want to nail something on the first take. Or did he just, I'm guessing there's always that, probably you spoke to and gave you that that comforting, you know, you can take as many takes as you want. I think oh, basically he's asking what kind of director is Jed? <laughs> is he an arsehole or is he a friend? <laughs> is he David Fincher or Clint Eastwood? Which one? Never working with him again. Mm. No, <laughs> he's very like pragmatic, uh, realistic, and he's like, we. this is the amount of time we have, just do it. Like, mm-hmm. And he gives you a lot of trust, which is great. Um, but yeah, one take and maximum like two or three on any other film is like unheard of (laughs) like when i did the crown this is like years ago we had a whole day we had you know like a hundred extras we had about 10 takes of a of like a 10 second scene Mm -hmm. because you were able to have that that room and you had the budget to play with it so um yeah, he was just very realistic and he's like, you know what, we I trust you guys, just go for it. And um, you just have to trust that he, that, you know, there were scenes where I was like, oh, I didn't feel like I nailed that. I, I hit that line really bad. And he was like, no, you did it fine. You need to yeah. move on. And it's like, well, if it was that bad, I'm sure. And I've seen it. It's nothing, there's nothing bad in the film, but it's yeah. like, for me, I was like, oh, I wish I did it like that. And it's just one of them things. <laughs> so... I'm happy you mentioned it because I was going to mention it like literally next. It's on my notes. But, and this is why, I guess, seeing what is happening now with Host and all the, I'm, I'm sure good things are going to come from that. It's not, not surprising because I remember the day we're literally in class, everyone's in class, and then you come in late and it's like, oh, where have you been? And wow. it's like, no, no, it's like, where have you been? And it's like, oh, I just finished shooting my scene for The Crown. And like, we're like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Not that tracks. Okay, fair enough. Come back in. Like, so it's not, you were doing, you did a, a scene in The Crown in 2017. So I'm not, there's nothing here that's quite surprising. or like, uh, why is that person getting, <laughs> getting that role Aww. and everything? Do you want to so, know something interesting? Sorry to butt in. Yeah, sure. I, I wasn't even told that was a spoken part. I actually, I got that through a background agency. And then um, I went to the fit-in and uh, they asked me if I could do a Cockney accent. That's why I said, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll go for it. And I was like, there's going to be some dialogue. And then I went to the fit-in and they were like, that's not you, right? You're not the, you're not the actress, right? <laughs> so they put me in this like frumpy, dumpy outfit and I got to set and they were like, you're Emma, right? And they handed me a script and they were like, you need to, you need to be on set, you need to do this scene. And I was like, what? And then they had to change my outfit really quickly. I'm dyslexic and I had to I had to learn. They you know, they gave us a couple of pages of stuff and obviously they cut it down, but um I was like in in my trailer, like reading the script, like, ah <laughs> <laughs> So it, it's it is crazy how how you could just fall into those kind of things. But yeah. that that really helped me as well. But um but yeah, sorry. I think when you first sent me the post, I was like, Oh, we have this film coming out. Like, okay, that's it's a horror film, so I don't know if I'm gonna watch it because I've literally watched Including host, I've watched three horror films in my life, yeah. and two, two of them are Jordan Peele films. So like, I don't really know. Like, so I've watched Get Out, um, A Quiet Place, and Us, and then Host Four. I'm not a horror person. I've just I've never I've never understood the the urge of horror films. I just like I, don't... I think it's like a thing, isn't it? Like you either love it or you yeah. You I, just yeah. Don't like... From growing up, I always just saw it, like the base example was that you're signing up to be scared which made no sense <laughs> to me i was like why am i agreeing to be next two hours to <laughs> yes. i read an article once out. that said uh people who who regularly watch horror films are they tend to deal with crises better so they can handle stressful situations better do you know what that sounds like 
it sounds like a person who watches horror films and was trying to comfort themselves. <laughs> you wrote, wrote that article. Yeah, I don't. It sounds like a horror director just wrote that article because okay, why? It just never made sense to me. But um, obviously, like I said, mainly because I had gone to school with you and I knew you were talented. I was like, let me watch it, and I, and I think this was way before like the hype around it grew. I think I messaged you and I was like, this is actually really good. This is really, really good. And then it was like, mm-hmm. and then obviously okay. I was, for my ego at least, I was validated when actual people were saying, oh, this is good. And like Empire was giving it four stars. Like, okay, so maybe I do know what I'm talking about. Maybe I've said oh, a podcast. The oh. Empire, the physical magazine. I went to the shop and I was like, bought it at the news agents. I was like, I opened it to the page that we were on. And I was like, oh, I'm in this magazine. And the guy was How many like, copies okay. did you buy? Wait, I was going to say, you bought only one? They're £5, uh, man. They're £5 each. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> what? It's like a first feature film, though. Yeah, oh, like 10. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, I'm so glad you did watch it. I'm really, really glad. And um, company that you've watched it in, like, with horror films, like, glad it was, yeah, it was yeah, yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, talk let's, talk, let's talk about the film. So, first of all, I just have to give a special shout-out to my personal... No offense, Emma, but like my fave Caroline, she she was shitting it before the seance even started. I felt I I was like, oh, this poor girl, please just leave the Zoom meeting. This <laughs> even when I was rewatching it last night, I was like, oh, just just go, don't do this to yourself. This is she was she was already, literally already crying before the movie had started, and I, I felt so bad. <laughs> Like it's like, awful, oh. isn't it? It's like that that oh. childlike archetype inside of her. You're just like you feel sorry sorry for her. Um, I don't know if you saw the the version with the real seance at the, at the end. <laughs> Caroline's like, uh, she freaks out and her internet cuts out and she doesn't come back. And then uh, she calls Jen. And she's like, just t- tell me how to end this. Like, <laughs> she was so scared. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. But yeah, I thought she was so good and, and got like a lot of praise for it too. Yeah, there's something there's something you just said about. Um, beside the childlike innocence in Caroline coming out and I don't know if this was intentional or not but because we're praising the film we would say it was intentional but she's the only one who <laughs> we see her like she's living with her parents she's living with her dad like she's mm-hmm. the, every other person is living either by themselves or with their partner and it's like I guess you get the impression that she's still kind of like you said childlike and hasn't fully grown up or whatever I was about to ask about just acting on Zoom in general. Like, what was that experience like? Because you're used to, you know, we're, we're actually all used to talking to people face to face, and you know, acting is something that requires some kind of, you know, presence and connection to actually bring out the best in the scene. But you know, it's Zoom and the movie. It's you know, it's obviously through a Zoom medium as well. How you know, how was that like for you? Do you know what it was? Uh, there were pros and cons, right? Mm. Um, like, in a way, it helped me a lot because that scene where Teddy is RIP and um, and being set on fire, I got to watch that live. So we were on a Zoom call like this and uh, they'd already pre-filmed that. And so I was able to literally sit and watch it and react to it. And I so I had that fully edited, ready to watch to react to. Mm-hmm. If you're doing that on a movie set, they're not going to set him on fire a hundred times for me to do that. <laughs> you know, like that, that's not yeah, going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like even the fire, when he's burning, you can see the reflection on my face because it's like real. So mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, it, because we'd been in the lockdown, like I was saying earlier, because we'd had these chats and we were on Zoom regularly together, it felt, we, you know, like you just adjust, like everyone's had to just adjust. It was just yeah. like mm-hmm. kind of, it was more like, oh, we're jumping on a Zoom call. 
but uh, you know, on the on the other side of that, uh, I could see myself <laughs> all the time. Oh, that's just, is, like that, that, mirror, that's terrible. It? That's yeah, that was uh, terrible. Yeah, and I think you can probably see like uh, during some of it, I am kind of looking at myself. <laughs> You know, like, I don't know, but then I guess it makes it more like a real Zoom call. Yeah, because it makes sense because you look at yourself in the Zoom, yeah. So yeah, that was really strange. Um, Yeah, I was actually going to, I was actually going to go off what Obira said in in his question, because acting itself, it's something very um, communal in the sense that we all try to, as actors, you try to either allay your co-star's anxiety you're trying to feed off their energy so was that a bit more difficult doing over zoom because the person is not physically there yeah i haven't been asked that um i actually have to think i'm joking <laughs> um yeah it was weird it was like it's not the same when if someone's standing in front of you it feels like it's more real right like mm-hmm. someone's crying in front of you like oh oh uh. when it was over zoom you still had that like you know the bit where Gemma and Haley are really crying because caroline's mm-hmm. just head by the thing i could still see them crying and it was still very real in that sense you know it was kind of like just imagine if a real zoom call went weird i guess but it was definitely different it had pros and cons it's the best way to put it um so speaking of rob the way it sounds is that he obviously heard a few sounds in his attic when he moved into his new house and then he got the idea for a prank on you guys which is incredibly interesting but also very scary the fact that that's how his mind works um, oh, dude, his mind? I've never met anyone like him. Him and Jed are probably both as bad as each other. Uh, he is like a horror movie obsessive. When Gemma Hurley got on board as like as an extra writer for the for the film, she said that they already had like a wish list of deaths for all the characters. Like they already knew what they were going to do. They didn't know the plot. They just knew how we were all going to die. And we're their friends, which I find a bit twisted. Um, and yeah, he's um, genius, though. You know, like, mm. clearly, he, there's something going on up there that is great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know. I got a chance to see Somi, and he directed the first two episodes. Oh, wow. And they're incredible. And then just, I don't know, if you can, just let him know that I think his two episodes of Soulmates are incredible. That's oh, one of the best of, of the show. And I, um, you should try oh. and meet him at some point. We should go for a drink. Wait, a Comic Con? Uh, yeah, look, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when, look, when the world isn't weird, send like, we me, hang out a lot. Send me the message and I'll be there. Like, I'm really never, cool. I'm never like um, rejecting a, an invite from you ever again, Emma. It's, <laughs> Might be a lucky ticket. I, you never I know. Could be, I could be in the hospital and be like, do you want to go to Comic Con? I'm like, yes, I'm there. I'm at Comic <laughs> Con <I'm at> <laughs> tomorrow. Um, That's so so, in his interview, in Rob's interview with Rolling Stones, I'll say that again, in his interview with Rolling Stones <laughs> about Host, um, so he said that the cast and the crew were very adamant that it wasn't a pandemic movie, that it was it was a lockdown movie, and I think that really comes across because, yeah, you have one or two um, references to, to the fact that there's COVID outside, like the mask and just a few um, hilarious things, but it's really just a movie about isolation. It's like, Everyone is in this little rectangle, this little box of their lives. And mm. and it, it's weird because you're watching your best friends die. So recently I was speaking to a couple of my friends and we we're talking about how we think like one of the worst things is really like dying alone. Where like you maybe die of something that shouldn't have killed you if you could call the uh, ambulance or something. Maybe like a mini attack just escalate. Mm. But I was thinking, uh, is it 
maybe worse watching some, someone you love die and there is nothing you can do for them. Like, you literally have no will. You're literally watching, you're watching Teddy burn alive and there is nothing you can do to save him and to help him. And I just feel like that must be so harrowing. Also, yeah. why I don't watch horror movies. Because <laughs> I, I have thoughts like this. No, no, you're, you're totally right. And I think it's, uh, it's like a, an echo like you were saying to real life like how many how many documentaries have we seen about covid and and people's parents are getting taken into hospital and they're like i'll see you soon and it doesn't mm. happen you know it's it's really sad and i don't know if that was a direct sort of uh, link that he made to the real world but um it's it's kind of scary how that does echo that you know and it's it's helplessness and it's like being stuck at home someone else being stuck somewhere mm-hmm. else it's like um i remember when we filmed that bit um and I think he said the first tape was the tape that we we used for that when Teddy burns Sally, and it is kind of like you don't you don't really know you can't do anything. So you you can scream and shout and and, mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. beg someone to run away or like or panic or whatever, but there's effectively nothing you can do. And I think that is like that's awful, isn't it? You know, if if you're in the same haunted house together. You can hug each other and both get eaten by a demon. Mm-hmm. You know, but at least you're not on your own. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can literally die with someone you love, not yeah. alone in in your, your room and everything. Yeah. How does it I, feel eating dinner in a, in a place where you shot those harrowing scenes? <laughs> Dude, I uh, I actually had a really tough time at, after the first few weeks of it coming out. I can imagine. I didn't, I didn't mind so much when we were filming it. It's when I watched it and it just felt a bit more real. Um, and the bit in my doorway, right? So, you know, where I throw the blanket and it goes... Mm-hmm. Yeah. We did that 150 times. I'm not joking. That was the bit I did the most because the effects had to be spot on. Everything had... I had my phone on the tripod. 150 plus. And Rob agrees with me. <laughs> it was <laughs> a lot. Because um, we had to get it so right and then I had to throw that blanket so many times and it would never fall flat. You think how, like, how easy that seems just to throw a blanket and it goes... It doesn't happen like that in real so, life. It would bunch up. Okay, no. I was going to ask the details, but we'll get into that in, in a second because I think we have a lot of questions about that. <laughs> I've always wondered about people who are acting horror movies. So, and because you're involved in the process of, you know, making a movie, are you still scared when you watch the movie? Or, like, do you think certain things still spook you out because... Like you've, I mean, you saw them making it, so surely you can't <laughs> be able to separate, you know, the movie from actual reality. But I, I yeah, mean, I know what you mean. Um, I still think it's freaky. I wouldn't say it's necessarily like, oh, really scary. I mm. think it's more scary living in my bedroom because I'm like <laughs> that doorway when it creaks open. I'm like, no. <laughs> um, but like when I watch bits of the other girls, I still get a bit scared. Like Caroline's head, like that gets me. <laughs> oh my um, god! The bits that's... I wasn't involved in filming, that bit makes me like. Ugh. That's so well done. The the Caroline's head sequence. I can't praise it enough. Anywhere, any film, any budget, whatever. That's the whole sequence of the. The head and the keyboard and everything is just. I can't believe how yeah. real she, it looks like mm-hmm. someone's like mashing her head down. It's, like, and she did her own prosthetics and makeup, and I just thought that was incredible. She's never that's, done that before. That's really good. Okay, before we go into how you guys killed each other, uh, obviously, this film, when um, the UK left the first lockdown, this film did go into theatres. How did that feel, seeing yourself on? A theatre screen, a big theatre so screen. <laughs> so weird. It was, this whole thing has kind of not felt real because we've still been in this pandemic, yeah? I kind mm-hmm. of thought, oh, we're out of it now. 
I'm going to go to the cinema. We're fine. But, like, because so many people are still shielding, still at home, like, the cinemas, obviously, you have to have, like, two people gap in between. So, in that sense, it was kind of, like, really weird. It was great, but it was really mm-hmm. weird because it, it sort of feels like it's not happening. And, um, but, no, actually watching it in the cinema was, like, dude, so crazy. And I went, I'm, I'm a loser, right? I watched it, like, ten times in the cinema. And I, I bought a ticket to see it in the Odeon in Greenwich. Um which for me was like, like it makes me emotional thinking about it. Like mm. that was my cinema that I went to growing up. I watched yeah. Harry Potter there. I watched Hunger Games, like all of it. And then, and there were people, the, the bit that was like the most mind boggling was just people who I've never met just sitting in the row in front of me screaming. Like that was so cool. <laughs> like people just bought a ticket off their own back. And oh, like, bless. This movie. It was so cool. Yeah, I can imagine. It's, did anyone kind of realise um, that you're like the person on screen and like, hey, that's you on there? No. I did get recognised in a, a bar. I went out oh, to dinner you? with Jed and Rob and oh. uh, the girl at the bar, she came over, she was looking at us all night, she came over she's like, were you in that film West? And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. And How do you recognise no re- me? No recognition for Jed and Rob? <laughs> just ignore this. Eh? Just directors and writers just go, just just go under the radar. Just for oh, artists. they mentioned it. Don't worry. They were like, "Hey, we we made the film," and they, she gave us some free shots, which was fun. Uh, oh, nice. Okay, let's talk about without obviously. I mean, I've watched this film a couple of times, so I don't know if you can. I don't want to. You can't really spoil the veneer of the film, but like, how did you guys do this thing? Because normally, be like, oh, there's stunt people in the houses and everything. First of all, let's start. Let's actually let's let me make it easier for you. How did you do the glass exploding? Let's talk about that. So I was telling you earlier, like this is the glass that was on my. Yeah. That I was drinking from in house. Mm-hmm. Um, they delivered me a beautiful, massive box of these sugar glasses, uh, like replicas, and um, so I had my set up, my laptop, and I had my candle and a box of crackers and just literally stuff from around the house to kind of get the like the height right, mm. and um. We'd used the sugar glass. Rob sent me a BB gun uh, and some like pellets and stuff. So we, everyone was on the Zoom call and like telling me, okay, go now, go now, reset, reset. And I'd have to lean across and just it. And I had to have a big duvet over my um, my wardrobe because it's like it's like hard. So it would have pinged off and like hit me in the face. Mm. So all these things had to be taken care of uh, and like risk assessed without anyone actually stepping foot in my house which is yeah. kind of crazy and i'm still finding bb pellets and um but because it was sugar glass it just wouldn't explode so we had to do it like 15 times <laughs> and then we'd film my reaction to it afterwards also oh, it's not it's not one scene it's not one scene is it like the the glass exploding and you're reacting it's a cut it's a cut yeah it's yeah, a cut yeah, yeah. well it's yeah the fact i'm asking means it was a, like a very well done cut. <laughs> yeah do you know what was fun about host was like that wasn't even supposed to be in it but Rob was like, we have this idea about shooting a glass. Does anyone want to do it? And I was like, me, 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 me. Because I was the first person to say it. I got to do it. So that was that was fun. And I mean, the bit with Hayley, you know, the bit where she kind of hits the wall and she gets pulled out? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's her, her partner, Kieron, who's a DOP, which was helpful. Yeah. And then um, he had like a bag of ropes and he had to, you know, the bit on the chair, she like, mm-hmm. pulled her back mm-hmm. and hit the wall. And the bit where she kind of goes flying, that again was like, there were there were a stunt team involved for certain bits, but that was Haley and like you know the bottle behind Gemma's head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that was Gemma. That was a, that was a sugar glass. Um, and there, yeah, there were a great stunt team. And annoyingly for me, I had both of my stunty bits were kind of done by stunt doubles, so I didn't I didn't get to fly out the window. Yeah, well, and I didn't. That's I, don't know I feel like that's best. That's probably best. 
that you, yeah. you didn't get to fly out the winter. Rob said that there was like a house of people who were quarantined together, all just stunt stunt men and stunt women. Yeah, they just uh, lived together. That's just which incredible. Was handy. Incredible. And Teddy, love. Teddy's a stunt guy, which is how he got the part. Oh, okay. Because he could set himself on fire, which is essentially what they really wanted. So it just it just turned out that <laughs> that's an like incre- incredible skill to have on his resume. I can set myself on fire. It's just like every job you get it. Oh, that's really cool. Um, so when you threw the blanket over, and what happened? Is there someone standing there? What happened to? Is that all VFX? <laughs> when we started doing that, my stepdad was was standing there, um, just for something to land on, like to mm-hmm. get that shape. <laughs> Rob was trying to direct him. This was right at the beginning before we actually started shooting it properly. Rob was just trying to test stuff out, and like we'd go around the houses, filming our houses. Like, what what scary bits can we use? My house, by the way, in the film is made up of five different people's houses. The kitchen is Rob's, and um, oh wow! Oh, wow. But. <laughs> Yeah, initially it was my stepdad, and Rob was like, come towards the camera, run towards the camera. So initially he was going to like run at the camera, um, but he was too slow. <laughs> so weirdly, we had a mannequin. We had a mannequin in my house. So I'd shuffle the mannequin in, or like I'd start filming, put the tripod down, open the door, bring the mannequin in, shut the door, throw the blanket over the mannequin, and then run. And then they cut it. Wow. Let's rewind a few, I guess, days or weeks. Obviously, Rob does the, the viral prank, and that's what blows up. And obviously, I guess you wouldn't know the behind-the-scenes things, but I'm assuming, like, different outlets, and eventually Shudder reaches out and is like, do you want to do a movie? And he agrees. Does he then tell you guys, oh, look, or does he tell you before Shudder comes, or like, look, we're going to make a movie based on this, or when do you um, guys hear about it in the process? Well, because I talk to Jed every day, and, and Rob and Jed are like writing partners. I kind of knew about it before. Uh, <laughs> so you've, but, um, you've, you've gamed the system. I like first dibs on it. Yeah, you've gamed it. Just make, yeah. it. just make the writer your best friend, and you're like, yeah. you're good. But it also was super boring, and like I just felt like there was more time to kind of connect with people and talk to mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was like a bidding war. Andy Serkis's, uh production company really wanted to make it with Channel 4, and um, but they, they were like, no, it can't come out yet. It has to come out in December. And then Shudder were like, look, we'll give you the money. You make it now. So they wanted it to come out while we were still in lockdown. And um, they, I remember Jed saying to me, you know, it, it's up to Shudder. They, you know, it depends what production company we go with. They might want Helen Mirren to do it. We can't promise you anything. To do Someone what? To be in the film. <laughs> they were like the studio what? or whoever or the production <laughs> company can decide, you know, mm. they have. And then, they might want more established actresses. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, and then because Shudder were great, Shudder really were amazing, and it, this film wouldn't have, have like have happened without them because they were like, we're giving you complete freedom. They didn't even give them a plot; they just said we can turn this into a film. Mm-hmm. They handed them the money, and then they delivered it. So it was like uh, when they sat us down to tell us, it was kind of like we were on a Zoom call, obviously, um, and they were like, we're going to make this a film. We start next week. So who's in? Who wants to do it? And we were like, yeah. <laughs> I think Definitely. hearing that, I would have been so excited, but also like just privately, like in my own room, just shitting myself because, like, <laughs> you know that not only are you acting to yourself and for yourself in like a Zoom screen, you have to do all this technical stuff and you have to throw a blanket 150 times, and if it doesn't work, that's the film. And like, going. yeah, I would I would have been killing. I would have been shitting Dude, myself. At the start, we were like, oh, oh, we're just gonna we're just gonna film it on Zoom. We'll have to put on a microphone. This is going to be so easy. Like it's going to be fun because you know, like that first lockdown, it just seemed to never end. Mm-hmm. And we were all like, "Oh my god, finally there's something to do." Um, and obviously we're making a film, which is fun. Um, but when the stuff came, 
Oh my god. <laughs> the first thing that came was this big metal box of like it's like a briefcase of, of mic stuff and I was like, Alright, okay, microphone, you're just gonna clip it in and it'll work, right? No. It you have to set up the microphone, you have to put the batteries in every two hours, you had to clip it under your shirt, you had to get the transmitter, you had to do all of this and we had like a twenty minute video from the sound guy teaching us how to set it all up and I was like Twenty minutes. <gasps> oh, yeah. Dude, it was like Exhausting. Yeah, and then obviously between the takes rolling the camera we used an app mm-hmm. called filmic pro which had to be on the exact right setting every single time um sending the files over hoovering up the glass on my floor between each take <laughs> like you and sending the files just took hours each day as well because you had to organize all the files and like dude it was like <laughs> i didn't yeah. realize how much work it was gonna be <laughs> yeah i think that's part of it because um why i was very impressed because apart from the obviously the fact that it's a good film on its own I know that there are a few people, a few Modern Family did an episode where it's entirely off like webcams and stuff and it's already very difficult for like million dollar productions happening during non-COVID times. So the fact that you guys are able to pull it off by yourselves in your houses, like I think Modern Family were doing it and they were like, oh, we can't do this this way. So they had to like basically get DOPs to have cameras on their heads and everything. Like, but you guys did it that way by yourselves like you have actors being DOPs and it's just that even if the film was a bad film that alone would have been enough for me to be like oh I'm very impressed by this and then just the fact that everything <laughs> everything works together <laughs> I, just, I don't know it's just something that you're like oh as a creator I'm like oh I wish I did that but also I'm like oh there is no way I could have done that so it's good <laughs> that they did that because that's not in my in yeah. my wheelhouse so oh um, thank you so much that's that's really nice of you to say that yeah i'm just really saying this uh hopefully rob and jed can uh, uh, listen <laughs> and then they can be like oh we heard what you said it's so nice yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, i'm just um it's it's i don't want to just keep on being so effusive about the film because like i said it's a really good film and i like it and obviously recently what well, recording is on the 4th of february but recently this week you got Nominated by the Hollywood Film Critics Woo! For, Woo! <laughs> for Best Horror Film. So that's really cool. Yeah. So cool. And we got um, nominated for Free Beaver Awards as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Editing, sound, and uh, producer. Oh, wow. So. Yeah, one final thing I would say is um, so obviously we were in the same class in identity, and then we had a showcase. And yeah. I, so basically, Identity School of Acting has a sister agency, Identity Agency Group, and they would usually send agents to our showcases, and then whatever they, um, whatever they like, they say, "Oh, come over and audition for us." And I remember during our showcase, I got an email after, and they were like, "Oh, we really liked the showcase. Come audition for the agency." You see, you don't remember this, and I, I think by this time you had, you were already signed to IAG, so you were already like levels above us. You already did like <laughs> the, the, com- the commercials really and everything. Dumb. She already had like a McDonald's commercial that was like paying her rent and everything. So we're like, oh, Emma. Um, so like the IAG emailed me like, oh, um, come over and everything. And I remember you were like, you were so supportive. I remember you messaged me like, oh, do this. I think after you finished, you were like, oh, how did it go and everything. Spoiler alert, it was terrible. It was, no! one, it was probably the worst audition I've ever, but it was like, it was the first time I was doing like a one-on-one audition. It was... It was terrible, but I'm, I don't have any ill... Like, I was just like, it was it, time for me to learn and everything, so I'm very happy. But, like, 
the, you the are, fact they even invited you in, that was that didn't happen. Yeah. Oh, I held. Oh, I, I'm still holding on to that. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I know, I know. I know what it means for IAG to like invite you from a showcase. So like, people would have ripped your limbs off for oh, that chance. Yeah, like. So, um, and those people are probably listening. Like, oh, he said I was bad and he's happy. Ugh. But um, yeah. So obviously you were very supportive and you kind of like guided me through the practice and everything. So just to say that, look, I'm very happy this is happening. I'm excited for what's to come. I think you're smart enough to obviously parlay this into bigger roles and better things and i'll be very excited this i think i can i speak for both of us this podcast is a host friendly podcast everyone absolutely anyone who's interested can come on board i'll come back anytime franchise and everything um and not 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 just because i'm trying to cozy up to to jed and ross (laughs) also because i like the work uh but yeah just before we leave here do you have anything you want to let the people know about the people being whoever is still listening to this podcast? <laughs> I just want to say, like, thank you to you. Like, you know, thank you both for having me on today. And, um, and yeah, honestly, thank you so much for supporting the film. Like, it, it, if it wasn't for word of mouth, like, on the, on the lowest level, of just someone telling their friend to watch it, it, it this film wouldn't have gone anywhere because we had no promotion. <laughs> like, none. <laughs> so, like, I, seriously, I, I really appreciate that. And then, I can't wait to see your short film. I really can't. So I can't wait to make it. Yeah. <laughs> um, COVID um, allowing. Yeah, please, <laughs> let us out the house. Um, but yeah, if anyone is listening, again, thank you to you for, for supporting the film. And for if you haven't seen it yet, I hope you watch it and I hope you like it. It's less than an hour. You can do yeah. that. We've yeah, all got like, the time. You can you can do it. It's like, it's, it's 56 minutes or something. Like, yeah, something like that. Pretty like, nice, easy watch. Yeah. Um, do you yeah. want to just shamelessly and randomly plug your socials and anything you have out there that people may be interested in? For sure. Uh, on Instagram, I'm at Emma Loves with three S's and I made that name when I was 15 and I'm never changing it. <laughs> oh. uh, <laughs> my Twitter is at Emma Louise Web 5 and um, I mean, I've got music coming out soon, but I can't. Yeah, of course. Yet, okay, so so just, I can't plug it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so like, like we said, you can watch Host on Shudder. It's a streaming platform dedicated entirely to horror films so like if you're a horror fan sign up to that um host is also available on blu-ray um really good movie yeah really enjoyed that really enjoyed the movie so thank you to our special guest and our first like our first interview this is like this is our first real interview so hey podcast hey um (laughs) thank you to emma louise webb thank you to my co-host obira georgie fiaccio thank you to our producers Ibuka Namani and Chinedui Heji. And join us next week when our guest will be British actor, writer, producer, Identity Club Acton alumni, John Boyega. See you guys soon. Woo! Woo! How exciting! I met him once. Where were all these name drops when, when we're doing the episode? Oh, yeah. Come on, Emma. <laughs> yeah, cool. Oh, d- there's so many people that watched Host as well. Where did, where did you watch? Where did you meet? I knew I didn't make it. Oh, dude, you need to get out of bed. You need to start going out. <laughs> I'm kidding. But, um, no, yeah, oh, I'm... no, you're 100% right because if I got out of bed, maybe I would have been your host.